All right, guys, welcome back. We're here with our guest, Testimona. Thank you for being here. We're really excited to talk to you. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, I've heard you on a, a few people's uh, shows. Um, I was really impressed with um, when you went on Kill the Mockingbirds, and I uh, had a great conversation with um, Sean and those guys. And uh, yeah, I was like, and then you started talking about how you were from the same state as me, how you um, how you left. And uh, yeah, and then um, recently I saw you on the gram and you're uh, shooting guns and doing all sorts of cool stuff. So um, I thought what a better I've wanted to talk and do uh, some shows with Deborah and kind of isolate her and talk to her about issues that I know that she uh, still is pretty strongly against. And I thought I think I always think like I got to get girls on here to talk about this stuff with her because she'll identify more so we're going to talk about guns today but before we do that why don't you uh give the give our very small audience a rundown on uh, who you are what you do a little bit of your history sure so my name's tess uh my artist name is testimona i am a singer rapper lyricist I uh, fuse hip hop, dark trap, and lo-fi and blues. So my music sounds are all over the place. Um, so I make music and I also just recently started a podcast called The Great Silencing with Testimona. Uh, that was originally a blog and a telegram chat, but it just got to the point where I was like, I have so much to talk about and say, and I kept going on other people's podcasts. I'm like, it, it just, it just needed to happen. Uh, cause people are, you know, we listen to things now more than we do have time to read them. So, uh, podcaster, uh, singer, rapper, lyricist are my primary things. Uh, I am from Oregon. I relocated to Tennessee to the Nashville area about, it's been about eight months actually, which is crazy. Uh, but I relocated out here for a multitude of reasons. Um, I wanted to get away from, you know, a lot of the madness that's going on um, on the West Coast. Uh, when the shutdown happened, I was actually in Los Angeles. So there was it was even crazier there. But, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot to, to why I left. But a big thing that I wanted to get involved with when I got out here and it blew my mind how huge the community is, is essentially matrix exiting people, you know, people that are. Um, I want to say the word self-reliant, but community building and being able to rely on each other is also so much a part of it that sometimes I feel like people might understand if I say self-reliance, that basically just means not depending on the government for your survival. So I've been able to learn a lot, whether that's like personal defense, home defense, uh, stuff about homesteading, permaculture. Uh, it's just been absolutely incredible. And it's, like so much has already happened and I still feel like it's, it's just getting started. So I absolutely love being out here. There are so many uh, Liberty minded people that are coming together and organizing out here and it's, it's amazing. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. That's awesome. Did your journey start um, during the pandemic or were you headed in that direction prior uh, so I actually was kind of headed in that direction prior. I guess my my first time being uh, what they say as red pilled, I had just turned 16 and uh, my boyfriend introduced me to Alex Jones. <laughs> and so uh, so I started like, you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole when I was about 16. 
Um, and then when I got a little bit older, like there's, there's a lot, we kind of, there was a lot of craziness in my history, but when I got a little bit older, it's like, I knew all that stuff and I knew the government was just not, not in any way what, what a lot of people think it is. And I was aware of a lot of this stuff, but, uh, my focus did kind of change to where that wasn't like the main thing I was doing, like, you know, deep dives and research and stuff. But then once the pandemic did hit, I mean, that was, or whatever you want to refer to it as it's like, I feel stupid even saying pandemic, but when the incident happened in 2020, uh, I was just like, okay, like this, like it, I, I, in my head, I was like, this is not at all what, what people think it is or where they think it's going to go. And then it just, it, I just kind of found myself in a situation where I was living in a pretty violent, like chaotic area and, you know, the rabbit hole started. That's how I started getting more so into preparedness. Cause I know what it's like to be in an area unprepared when, you know, stuff hits the fan, um, basically overnight and continues to escalate. So it got picked back up for sure in 2020, but I wasn't new to it. Um, and then, uh, when I got to Tennessee, I kind of, um, backed up a bit from doing as much of the deep dive stuff and kind of got more geared toward the preparedness element of like, okay, so we know, we already know like all this stuff and we got to keep a pulse on it for sure. But also what are we going to do about it? Like what, and what can we do about it to like, make sure that we can build resilience for not only what is, but what's coming. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought I was pretty awake too until, until, uh, 2020. And that's what, that's what put everything in, in play for us. And we got, we were in, you know, the suburbs right outside of Portland and we got out and we're like way far out now and we have no neighbors and land and all that stuff, you know, but, um, were you in Eugene or is, you said you were in LA during the pandemic, but, um, are you from Eugene? I am from Eugene. Yeah. So yeah, during the pandemic, I was living in central and east Hollywood, like a block from the actual boulevard. So it was it was it was nuts. Um, and uh, I eventually did go back to Oregon after like eight months of just insanity because uh, everything was still shut and it was just getting worse. And so I did go back up to Eugene for a minute, uh, but it's just not really a place that I can, can live in, you know, for, for various reasons. Um, so I, I got, once I was able to get my money up and, you know, kind of get things situated is when I packed up my car and just drove across the country and, and wound up here. But I did spend, you know, during the era of like, you know, everything is closed and there's still mask mandates and all that stuff. I was either in California or in Oregon for like, like, I think the week I left to go to Nashville was the week that Oregon lifted the mask mandate after having it for yeah, like, longer than oh, anybody except for Hawaii, I think. Yeah, like they had had it for like almost like, I think maybe over two years or two years, but it was like, I mean, it was, it was the end of March, 2022. So they had it that long, like, which that, obviously you guys know, yeah. cause you're there. Deborah's in, uh, Deborah's in the Bay area. So she's oh you know, California. Yeah. They pretty much still probably have a mask mandate there, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it's wild. Like I have to go to, I go to church in, in Portland or in Milwaukee, like every, every Sunday. And I like run errands when I'm in town and it's, it's, you know, still well over. 10% of 
the population wears masks i'd say more and it's like you know and it's it's all virtue it's like no but it's all young like I, I go to like the home depot on 82nd avenue in portland and uh it's all like young couples that are still wearing masks and stuff it's it's pretty wild but i know um but yeah but up where we we ended up up in columbia county um in between you know up by almost into washington and and uh there's there's no enforcement up here no nothing so we got we got up here i quit my job in february i'm on the on our farm full time and and uh it's crazy because it's like i i I live my life like there's nothing going on and then I have to, and then every once in a while I have to go into town my wife has to go in every every day to work she still drives into Portland so um but uh yeah do you ever get worried I see uh the Nashville area a lot like just on uh on the on social media and stuff having like big giant like uh drag drag queen story hour stuff and things like that do you ever get worried that too many people are moving there and then it's going to end up being like the next Austin or something like that. It, it pretty much already is. Um, it's, it's kind of reminds me of the LA of the South because we do have so many people that have all moved here. Uh, cause like everybody left California, not everybody, obviously, but so many people left and some people left for reasons like for why I exited or for why you got out of Portland. You know what I mean? But yeah. some people left because they didn't, they, they were just like, it's too expensive, but everything else they wanted to keep the same. So Nashville and that, that County Davidson County itself is, is pretty big. So it depends on what part you're in. Um, like there's certain areas where it's like, yeah, it, it almost feels like I'm back in LA if I were to go in there. Um, and then, but the rest of Tennessee, not at all. Uh, yeah. but yeah, there are a lot of people moving here. The cost of living is, is going through the roof. Rent prices are going through the roof. Um, I actually, like when I first moved here, I was living like in the city, but I was just like with everything that was going on and the things I had a pulse on, I'm like, this is, you know, it's progress. Cause I'm not where I was, but I'm still in a high population dense area, which is not where I want to be. So I I did um after a few months uh relocate like I'm still in Middle Tennessee and like in the greater Nashville area but I am not like in the city part yeah. of Nashville so I kind of I backed up as well uh yeah. just because you know like if if anything happens like that the cities are the last place you want to be so I I'm and then once I'm done where I'm at now I'm gonna be moving even further away <laughs> so just slowly backing away from large concentrations of people. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah, just little steps and, uh, getting out. At least there's opportunity to do that there. Our good friend, uh, Scott from Truthzilla, he's a Eugene to Tennessee guy. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. He actually moved out here. I want to say one month after I did. Yeah. It was, and we didn't even know uh, the other one. We didn't even know that that was happening. And then like, he's, I guess he, I think he saw that I moved on social media or something. And he was like, I'm about to move there too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So right on interesting timing. And then I, uh, I also saw that you just uh, celebrated a big um, sobriety birthday. Is that right? Yeah, it's um. so me and Chelsea, we both have our sobriety birthdays in November. Mine's uh, technically on November 27th. Oh, so it's I'll be up. celebrating uh, 13 years and then hers was November 1st. 
So I just decided, cause she was visiting me in October. Um, she came out for the self-reliance festival. I also got to perform at that festival. She got to meet like incredible people in the community out here. So she was here for like a week. So we recorded the pod then. And then I just was like, I'll just release it in November, you know, cause I didn't want to wait till like the end of the month. Cause you know, she's, she's November 1st. So, so I've got about, I don't even know what date it is. I probably have like another two weeks to go till I'm officially 13 years sober, but yeah, it is that, uh, it is that month again, which is so weird. It's that's, such, awesome. that, that's, that's all that's another, great. It's yeah, another I mean, thing. <laughs> yeah. My wife, congratulations. My Thank wife's you. been, uh, my wife's been sober for 11 years and then oh, wow. I've been sober for 10 years. So yeah what yeah yeah so that's so cool i didn't even know that that's awesome well congratulations to you both yeah thank you especially for sticking with it through the last couple years because that's been hard for a lot of people yeah she uh she did a lot of zoom zoom stuff i didn't do do anything and uh i go to meetings with her every every once in a while now so it's not as big as it was in my life but you know it's what uh i totally credit my life to 12-step stuff so um yeah, I've always liked to meet other sober people and then it happens a lot in this in this space, you know. So it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that's that is actually really cool. I'm thank you for sharing that cuz I had no idea. So yeah, yeah. yeah, it's awesome to know like who else is who else is uh, on this very interesting journey. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh have you I are you performing pretty much a lot just at freedom stuff or uh are you getting like regular type shows or what goes on there so i told myself i was gonna wait to start performing just because i am working on like multiple different albums um but that like in the beginning that worked out and then it was like I traveled like to North Carolina, which is a neighboring state. And I, somebody was like, we need a singer. And I just wound up and I'm like, oh, I'm singing on a stage now for three hours. I guess I am. And cause I hadn't performed since before COVID because, um, well, obviously everything was closed. And then you had that issue of, you need to have your papers in order to do it. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So so I wound up doing that and then uh, perform it. So then, then the freedom festivals, like those are excellent places to perform. So then that became a thing. And then I have performed um, in downtown Nashville as well, like just at writer's rounds. So it's all a bit of a different vibe. So I'm kind of like, I'm trying not to go too hard with it because I do have so much work in the studio to get done. But like when I, when I just did a self-reliance fest at the beginning of this month, I played over an hour. So I, I definitely have like enough new material. Like I've just been hitting it like super hard since I've been here. Uh, but there's just, there's so much more to go. So, so yeah, I, uh, I, I take what, what makes sense to me. Like if, you know, I just, I'm also learning that I have to take better care of my vocal cords because I, uh, lost my voice from overuse and I have a great vocal coach out here, but I'm learning there's like a whole, a whole thing that I was doing wrong. So I'm just, I'm trying to balance like how much I'm doing in the studio versus like how much I'm focusing on, uh, on like the stage because it it's, it's just a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm not performing full force, but at like for events and festivals, absolutely. Yes. Awesome. But you said of... you're in, I'm sorry. Um, you say you're, you're in studio. Are you recording and are you mm -hmm. recording your stuff or with other 
people on their stuff or or how i don't i'm i'm this is new to me oh that's totally fine um yeah so i yeah so it is my studio i am recording my stuff uh however Something that has been super amazing since I've been out here is that I've met, well, obviously there's tons, there's so many musicians out here, but uh, so I've done some like uh, joint studio sessions with other musicians, like if we're collaborating on something. And then also a way that I have discovered that I can make money is, and I love doing this. I never thought this would be so gratifying, but um, there are a lot of people that are, you know, maybe they run like a tactical operation company, or maybe they run um, a permaculture business and channel, like various people that have, you know, podcasts and YouTube channels and stuff like that. They're homesteaders, they're doing this and that. And a lot of them I've met at these freedom festivals. And I mean, you guys know you have a podcast, like, you know, everybody has like their intro song or their, their music that's about their brand. And so a way that I've gotten to contribute to what they're doing is I've actually been able to um, also so aside from my own music I get to write music for other people and like their mission their brand what what needs to be communicated for what they're doing and I never thought I would be doing that but it is like it's amazing to to be able to do that like it's it's the coolest thing ever to just get out of yourself and just totally focus on somebody else and just project that to the world it's like it's really beautiful so I also do that <laughs> when I'm in the studio I, I'm doing I'm working on a couple songs right now for somebody and then I've got like it's like at least two albums more worth of stuff for myself wow, that's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah um so I've heard um Nashville has a lot of large obese women at bachelorette parties <laughs> is that true <laughs> Um, I don't know if they're all obese. I'm just like trying to think. So that is a thing like the bachelorette stuff. I don't get it. But <laughs> if you go, if you come down here, like, and you, if you go to downtown Nashville and go down on Broadway, it's, it's a nightmare. Like yeah. I will not drive if it's nighttime. Uh -uh, no. And then on the weekends, they straight up shut that street down. And it's just, it's like Vegas. It's nuts. I was just going to say, it so, sounds like Las Vegas. Yeah. Like is a lot of people like is it crazier it. than sixth street in austin like worse than that probably huh? yes yes it's 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 a lot crazier than that so i i do not live near that like like i so i'm glad about that but um but yeah they call them nash lorettes and then like people <laughs> refer to that area as nash vegas nash and vegas so, that's so cringy yeah <laughs> so there, there have been like obviously plenty of times when i am downtown for business and like, I have to be there at night, like I'm working or I'm doing this or I'm doing an event, like whatever. And I'll be there. And then like, all of a sudden I look over and there's like a tractor with like plexiglass, obviously, because everyone's drunk inside. And it's just like a bunch of screaming people. And so I actually filmed it for one of my friends because she was like, I want to see the broads in the tractor. Um, but I was like, well, here they are. Yep. It's just, it's just like, you get used to it after a while, but I'll be honest, it's, it's annoying. Uh, yeah. but I'm also somebody who like, you know, like, I, like I don't drink or like, you know, bar hop. So it's just like, it just sounds like screechy chaos yeah. to me. And I'd prefer to not be around. It. Yeah. It's so, uh, it's so weird when you get, when you get sober and then you end up in like those situations, like those highly fueled alcohol type situations. It's for me, at least it's just really, really uncomfortable. And I get like, real nervous and on edge and you can like feel the 
especially like if you if you got like three beers and you it like dulls it but like when you're not you can like sense that violence in the air you know yes. like so like yeah. being in in around people that are drinking to me is is such a it's it's just gross and it's not something i want to do but yeah i know uh i know how it is to have to go to the city and it's weird when you when you get desensitized to it and like especially going into portland now we can use this to segue into um self-defense you know like like i said my wife has to go into into town every day she works on burnside and uh she has this beautiful studio but it's just um you know lately it's just there's been tons of home she works on the second level of like this big building that has all sorts of different like boutiques and stuff in it but she stays there late at night she gets there early in the morning and there's like homeless people like smoking meth there and I uh I'm really um trying to get her to she's taken um the CCW or CHL I guess concealed handgun license class before but I think uh she never like went through and got her appointment to get to get it from the sheriff I think it's lapsed but I think she's going to um redo it just because it's a uh, it's a bad deal like she was she was at work you know on a on a Sunday and there's nobody there she works Sundays and uh she has like a back area to her studio and she like heard the door open and like went out and there was like a homeless woman like inside the studio you know and it's just like she like saw her and left but like man it really freaks me out that she has to do that and um yeah when did uh it's just it's just scary to think that like that that it's not always going to be like a homeless woman that like sees her and like scurries off you know so Mm -hmm. it's like and like just like go outside to go to the bathroom and stuff like that um when did uh when did um guns and and self-defense and stuff start start coming across uh, your radar um well growing up um i was around it but not to not in the sense of like oh someone's taking me hunting and teaching me how to use it properly like but it, it was so it was never like strange to me but it became like, I became pretty drawn to it. I want to say like, this was when I lived in Oregon and obviously in Oregon, they have different laws. Like Tennessee is constitutional carry. So like, you don't even need a license, yeah. um, which I very much appreciate. Cause it's just one less thing I have to pay for. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, you don't need a license there, but in Oregon you do. So I remember when I was 18 years old in Oregon and I had not, I was not sober then um, I actually went through like a 10 week class at the Baron's Den in Eugene and like, which is what you need to get like, at least back then. I don't know what it's like now, but now back it's, then, uh, you-, you know, it's a, to get, are you talking about to get concealed handgun license? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a, it's a four hour class. And then, a, oh, wow. and then it's a shell issue state. So, so a lot of people want to think that like, just because Oregon has Portland in it, that we'd have like really, really bad gun laws here. Like we don't have constitutional carry, but it's shell issue. So you take a four hour class and you can do it online now um, through the sheriff's what? department. And uh, and wow. then that, that's it. That's probably the only difference we have between Tennessee and here. Washington's bad. Like they have uh, magazine restrictions and stuff like that. But here there's no restrictions, just, but you do have to have a, a concealed a license. license. So yeah. that we don't have um, con- uh, constitutional carry. But other than that, it's good. So- I remember what is I was, a shell? You said a shell issue. What's that? It means if you so if you're not a felon, Deborah. Yeah. And you 
you you go and you just sign up for the concealed handgun license course you can go to like you can go to like sportsman's warehouse which is like big five you know and they'll mm-hmm. have like classes on sunday it's four hours long and then um it, it's not like in california where the sheriff will like look it over like do like find out who you are and stuff like that they'll do background checks i guess but they'll give it if you don't have felonies and stuff you you get it they shall issue it okay so so yeah so like where i live pretty much i live out in the woods you know so i i go through life i i spend life either in columbia county or over in longview washington and i treat everyone as if they're carrying a handgun because that's pretty much what i think is going on but um yeah sorry to cut you off there but yeah so oregon's not as bad as people think but um so go ahead keep going sorry to cut you off oh you're fine no, um, Oregon's not that bad, but but I'll get to why it, it was bad for me. But California is the one that's at least where I lived. I don't know anything about the Bay Area. Um, Terrible. But, I but, lived okay, there for a long yeah. time. Oh. Yeah. So so when I was in L.A., it's like I I mean, because I did. I mean, this is way further in my story. But um, if somebody breaks into your house and you shoot them, you get a murder charge. Like you are basically not allowed to defend your life. And I, I could go off. But California is horrific. That's like number one reason why I will not ever live there again is that is because of that, this, the gun laws. So, but I'll, I'll rewind. So when I was 18, I, I mean, I don't know why I've always been very attracted to firearms. I mean, I could take a guess, but they're, they're kind of darker stories, but um, based on some things that I've been through in my life, uh, being able to defend my body has been an issue. So that's why, you know, firearms for a small, child or a teenager or a small woman that's an equalizer if you uh have experienced that kind of stuff so it was it was uh it was intriguing and empowering to me because i wanted to feel safe so when i did go through the 10-week course at the barons then i did get the license however i was only 18 and you have to be 21 so i was like whatever you know like whatever it doesn't matter i'll just wait but then by the time i was 20 i was a felon so i couldn't have a gun So, uh, so I was like, ah, shit. So I had felonies on my record for like quite a bit of time. Uh, they got expunged. Um, God, when did they get expunged? I still have the letter somewhere actually. Cause I was so happy about it, but they did wind up getting expunged like a number of years later, but my PO, which I found out later was not even, this wasn't even true. She told me, she goes, even when your felonies are expunged, you don't get your second amendment rights back. You have to reapply through the ATF. And I was like, and a lot had happened and like my felonies were expunged. Everything was all good. And then like, you know, during the whole scamdemic, there was some chaos in my neighborhood and in my dwelling. Like I didn't get any charges, but I was arrested and it was just kind of a lot of madness. And so I was like, man, like I don't want to deal with the ATF. And like, I kind of doubt they're going to give me you know, that back. So I'm going to figure something else out. Then I found out that that wasn't even true and that my rights were automatically reinstated upon having expunged an expunged record. Cause right now my record is completely expunged. Like I do not have any active or like charges at all. Like they're my, my felonies are expunged. So I didn't know that until like way later. Uh, but it became a big thing really right when the pandemic hit, like some people thought I was crazy. Uh, but this was literally week one 
uh, of of the stay at home order, which I think you I think Oregon hadn't even been put on um, a shelter in place yet. But but L.A. did uh, Cal, Cal. I don't know if it was all of California. I think it was. Um, and I remember like talking to one of my friends and I was like, yo, I need a gun like this. Like I, this is not going to end when they say it is. This is not going to stop when they say it is. And I was like, I have a feeling there's going to be like looting, robbing, violence, like the, the shit's going to hit the fan. I need a gun. And I was in a situation where like, you know, because for whatever reason, it can be hard in some states that have really strict or just ridiculous gun laws to get something clean. So my only options were to like get something, you know, in, in a manner that let's just say I wasn't comfortable with because I'm like, I don't know what, you know, that individual might Sorry, Anderson. Huh? Sorry. That's sorry about that. Go ahead, please. Please. Okay. Um, I was just in a situation where I was like, you know, I, I, I didn't want to get a gun that way. Uh, Cause I was like, well, I don't know where it's been. So I just, I didn't really want to like take the chance with that. So I was always hunting for something that, that was legit and I couldn't find it. Um, and then stuff did get really bad and uh, there was a lot of, uh, violence and a lot of stuff that happened even where I was living. Uh, and so I, like, I don't know how I won't really, unless you want me to, I won't get too deep into those stories cause they're kind of intense, but, um, it was, it was pretty bad. And I did know people with firearms, but there were two things that happened. So I was living in central Hollywood. And when things got really bad, the freeways got blocked off. And so I couldn't get out. And my friends that didn't live in Hollywood, they lived more like outskirts area or like just different parts of LA. They couldn't get into me. So like I, there was nothing we could do. Like it was just like can of psychotic ass sardines. So was I that was because like, people were people blocking the freeways? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, there were people blocking the freeways and there were incidents of people getting pulled out of their cars and like just attacked for, for literally no reason. Yeah. Just, like the old uh, Reginald Denny Jesus. treatment. Yeah. Um, it was, it, yeah, was, it was insane. A, was it all um, fentanyl overdose Floyd related? Uh, yes. Uh, in the beginning it was. Yeah. It, it was right around that time. of uh, all that shit so so it was like it was scary for a lot of us especially women because we were like you know when you're driving especially in that area because riots or looting or just chaos that it would erupt randomly without warning and so i'm like if i'm in my car and there's a mob of people and i turn a corner and they're all there and all of a sudden they see me like i don't know like even during the day like, I have no idea what I'm going to drive into. So there was a while when like me and some other like other females were like, let's coordinate like really early morning trips if we have to get groceries and like go together, stick together. Some people moved out of Hollywood. Some people moved out of California. I was stubborn. I stayed a little longer, but there that, that was one thing. And then the other thing was um, the people... Uh, the the men that I did know that that you know did have firearms and that talked a really good game of like oh if anything ever happens I'll do fill in the blank like oh I'll help you I'll protect you no no like when shit hits the fan like they were they were real far out they were all the way away from that mess um so I was like you know I was just like all right cool like when shit hits the fan 
this is how people behave. And everybody is very like self-preserving, like do not expect anybody to save you or give a shit about your life. Cause they don't. Uh, so that message was loud and clear. So that was kind of when I was like, all right, like enough with the shit. I am absolutely not like being in any kind of situation where I cannot defend myself. And I'm also the other side of that as well is like, don't be in the middle of where the problem is either, which in that situation, like I, nobody was expecting that it happened overnight, but now I do know better, which is why I don't live in the middle of a big city anymore. Um, and which is why like I have plans and routes and like, there's always like a way for me to duck, like wherever I'm at. So, you know, the way that I move is much different now, but that became a thing like immediately something in my head once that happened was shit is I had no idea like it was going to play out the way it did. But I was like, we're going to be dealing with people going crazy. We're going to be dealing with violence, with robberies, with lootings. We're I mean, we need I, I need to be able to protect myself. And that's you know, that is what happened. And honestly, like with some of the situations I'm in, I, I'm lucky I made it out. Uh, but I don't ever want to be in that situation again, especially unarmed. I mean, that was that was terrifying. And it was not it, it extended far beyond the time period of the riots as well. Like you'd think it would have died down. It totally didn't. But actually, no, you know, because you live in Portland and it didn't die down in Portland either. So it just kind of got worse. Uh, but that was when it like really re-entered my head of like, no one's coming to save you. Like ex if somebody helps you icing on the cake, but if shit hits the fan, expect to self-rescue. Like, you know, nobody's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Deborah. So let's start uh, talking to Deborah, getting some of her thoughts because Deborah, what, I mean, just basically you, since the show has been going for two years, two and a half years, you've been, I think you've clung to the idea that all guns should be outlawed, correct? Um, not necessarily all guns, but I do think there is um, a overwhelming uh, God, I'm sorry, my brain's not working today. There, there are too many out there in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. Okay. Um, that, so, so what, what do you, it's really hard to move on <laughs> to like craft a, an, a debate with this. Um, when you hear, um, what Tess says, what do you think about, you know, or you hear about, um, your daughter, you know, feeling unsafe at work and, you know, there's violent, mentally insane, homeless people running around. What is your, uh, what do you think about? women you know arming themselves and and um you said you well let's go there what do you think of that first well i you know for myself i i would not be comfortable owning a gun because i i'm afraid first of all you know it's a foreign it's a foreign concept to me i mean it just was not even discussed where and when i grew up and there's the but you know people. it was i mean that's that's, a, you know, at least 50% of the gun owners in America are like that. I, my parents, I didn't grow up with guns as well. Yeah. I, um, you know, the first time I ever was around a gun was going to visit my, uh, husband's family in rural Louisiana. They had shotguns cause they hunted. Um, or I guess they were shotguns. Maybe they weren't, but, um, 
that was my first exposure. It just is a foreign concept to me. Um, and I am concerned if, if, you know, somebody tried to enter my house and I held a gun, they would use it on me. What's the alternative? Um, I, I, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer for that. The alternative is that I don't know. I, I, I know you think I'm, I'm just so popping out on it, but I, I understand like you personally, not, not feeling comfortable. And, and that's the choice that you have to make. Right. I think it's wild because I think, you know, there's a bridge that separates you from Richmond, California, which mm -hmm. is one of the gnarliest places <laughs> on the West coast. And then there's a bridge separating you from San Francisco, which, you know, everybody knows yeah. about that. Yeah. People, people can walk to your house. Um, and then, you know, I, it's just weird to, to think like. A gun would not give me comfort. A gun would not make me feel safe. But that's just because you're scared. You think like if you had it and you like drop it on the ground that it would go off or something like that. Um, um, you know what? I hate to do this. The guys are here. I have to go write them a check. I'll be right back. I'm sorry. Please explain to Tess why I'm doing this, please. Okay. This is a little, little bit frustrating today. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Um, here, I'll pause. Okay, guys, we're back. So, Deborah. Um, yes. just, so you're talking about how you're not comfortable around firearms, but what, right. what is your opinion on like other women? Like, that's like what, a, what about like what I've explained about, about your daughter's work? Has she told you anything about entirely that? entirely up to, of course, you know, Emily well, you or, understand or... that it's up to them, but what, like, what is your opinion on it? Um, <laughs> Well, uh, how can I how can I make it any more? I mean, it is my opinion. What I would do is, I'm not saying that that's what everybody else should do, but for me, I would not carry a gun. Right. What do you think? I'm not saying that anybody else shouldn't have a good reason. You know. Yeah. But you think that there? Do you think people should have the right to do it? I think they should have the right to do it within, um, you know, certain reason. What, I, don't, um, I don't think anybody should have an assault rifle. Why not? Uh, what's an oh, what's an assault rifle? Well, anything that is, um, God, I, you know, I, I don't know the names <laughs> of of the. You're different... just you're doing CNN stuff, Deborah. You're just saying CNN stuff. I'm, I'm just trying to be honest, Adam. I'm just trying but, to answer but, you. But you're saying that nobody should have an assault rifle and you can't even define it. Okay. Uh, to me, an assault rifle is something that shoots off, you know, a barrage of, you know, 60 bullets or whatever you call them in, you know, 20 seconds. Is that, is that reasonable? Um, I don't know. Um, so it's so for you, it uh, is it always going to be just the barrage of 60 and 20? Is that what makes that no, what makes the assault no. rifle for you? Um, but, you know, if, if you're carrying a handgun, if 
that's something different. If you're carrying an, uh, a weapon of mass destruction. Well, but you're just saying words, Deborah. You can't define well, them. Because I, I, this is not something that I'm familiar with. I, obviously, I have my opinion, and maybe it's not an informed opinion because I don't know about, you know, guns and those types of things you know what do you want what do you want from me it's just strange to have to have an opinion but to not be able to like define anything or to explain your your thoughts at all but it's not it's not something that is in my everyday uh you know i don't i don't think about it a whole lot i think about it when i see stuff on tv like you know well, what if, you know what is what's this whole show about it's like when you see stuff on tv what do you, what's the you know we kind of got to take it down a few more layers right what do you what well what i was going to say is when you see stuff like you know schools getting shot kids uh-huh. in schools getting shot or you know somebody going berserk at a concert and shooting people yeah but we know yeah. that's not the real story the whole time right well not the whole time but sometimes it is yeah all right um tess do you want to do you want to try to get in here this is this is tough tougher than i wanted it to be sorry oh for sure um yeah well i think there's there's kind of two parts to that um the first i'll just start at the at the beginning um I guess the the first thing is like, you know, I think that's a pretty normal reaction or or feeling for somebody who isn't familiar with firearms to to feel like, you know, I I'm not comfortable carrying one because for me, like I knew I needed one and I knew I was going to get one, but getting one versus carrying it or using it are two very different things. And like, so you obviously understand that they're not toys, which is great. Like, that's actually a really good thing because some people will just go buy guns and like, they don't know what they're doing and they might make a mistake. Uh, and you know, that's guns are not things that you want to make mistakes with. So what I did, um, and you can do this at shooting ranges, but I, um, got connected with an organization called tactical response. Uh, they train law enforcement officers, they train uh, civilian defense contractors, and they also train people who have never fired a weapon. Like, and their 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 headquarters are here in Tennessee, but like I've looked on their website, they are international, and they just had a class in Seattle, Washington. Um, so they train like everywhere. I would not be surprised if there were classes near where you were. And I'm not like saying go do it or anything. I'm just saying uh, for me. What I said with myself, because like I got my pistol, like I have, you know, the thing, like the stuff that I need, whatever. But I'm like, until I feel like totally proficient with this weapon, which obviously the proficiency is going to require, you know, continued training and use of it. Uh, but I, I was like, I'm not comfortable carrying it, like you know, on the regular either. If, if I, you know, if my only experience with a gun has just been firing at a shooting range, like, cause that's not even realistic. Like there's so much into, you know, owning a gun like that, that you do need to know. And a big part of it is, you know, you do want to be comfortable with your weapon and it kind of takes some time to get past the nerves of like, 
even the first time you shoot one, like there's recoil, it makes a loud noise. Like that can, that's like, it gets your heart rate up, you know? So when I trained with tactical response, which I will be continuing to do, um, and they also have like medical training, like it's, 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 it's wild what they do. Um, I was in a, and it's, it, this is a multiple day thing that they do. It's not just like a day at the range. Like it's, it is, you are like doing this for like multiple days, depending on which class you take. And you're like with a group and you have trainers and it's, it's really amazing. But there were people like, it was me, one other girl who had zero, zero fire, never fired a gun, none, no firearms experience, but she was, she's, a, she's an amazing woman, actually mother of two young girls. Um, and you know, wants to know that she can protect them if she needs to. And, uh, there, everybody else in our group, all men, all experienced. Some of them were even ex-military. I remember one of them was standing next to me. And when we did our first drill, I like, like I missed a bunch of shots. The, the, the girl next to me was like, ah, I missed all of them. And then like, I looked over at the guys next to me. I'm like, how did you, you hit perfectly every time. And they're like, yeah, we were in the military. So like, that's why, but so it like, it totally didn't matter. But the biggest thing that that class did for me is it like made me comfortable with the weapon to where it wasn't something that I felt like it's something that I, I, I have genuine confidence. Like if this obviously isn't happening right this second, but let's say some people kicked in my door right now and, you know, came in here to do me harm and my life was in danger. Am I confident that I know how to use that weapon immediately and efficiently and correctly? Yes. Um, to where I, I, I don't know that I would have been able to say that, you know, before that. And again, the training does need to continue. Um, but that helped a ton because all any of my like nerves that I had about, you know, go, cause I was actually working with a new pistol as well. What, um, uh, about what did, going. What, what'd you take with you? Uh, I had a Canik TP9SF and I also was working with a Glock 19 as well, but um, I had not fired a Canik before. So I, which I, I love. That. I'm not, uh, I'm, I've seen the name and stuff around, but I'm not familiar. I've never, uh, never, what made you uh, go that direction? So first one of my friends had it and I was like, what is that? And he, he's like, oh, they're Turkish guns. Like, it's like, and I was, and then I asked my other friend who is like a me, like massive gun connoisseur, like has been around guns his whole life, knows how to make them, like knows all the things. I talked to him and he was, he was ranting and raving about that gun. He has the same one. He's like that. I am in love with that gun. And, and he explained why. And, you know, I chose it for a variety of reasons, but like accuracy wise like for for like a new shooter like myself like it is it is a larger pistol it's a longer barrel like a glock has more kick than a canic like the canic does not have much recoil at all so for accuracy it's great it also has an 18 round magazine obviously if you have a chambered round bonus 119 so i like that as well uh, you know, I mean, obviously I have multiple magazines, but like, it's like, I'm in a, a whole nother situation. If I have to run through multiple magazines, if they're all 18 rounds. So, well, good thing. If you had three, that's only 57. So that's under Deborah's Deborah's, uh, definition of an assault gun. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But, but like, but so, so what I'm saying is like, even the, even the girl who had never fired a gun and was just like zero, 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 zero experience. The both of us were like 
doing great through the drills and they got harder as, as the class progressed, like you're moving, you're, you're going through scenarios. You're like doing drills. Like it's not just standing and shooting at something that isn't like, it's, you know, practical stuff. So that was insanely helpful. It totally took away the, the fear and the anxiety, but it also really implanted certain things in your mindset that I would not have thought of before. Um, so that kind of stuff can really help. Cause I would, I would just suggest that to anyone. If you ha- are not an experienced person with firearms, I, I, t- I think, I think everybody should get one unless you're like batshit out of your mind and just have fantasies about murdering random people. But that's, you know, I, I don't know those, any, anybody like that. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm very pro gun, uh, just because it's the same concept as what we see among countries with nuclear weapons, like mutually assured destruction. As soon as one nuke got made, everyone's like, all right, well, we clearly all need them because we can't trust you guys to just say, you're not going to use them on us. So we're going to be in this, you know, I, I won't even talk about what's going on right now, but it was, it's that same I like line of thinking of like, okay, well, sure they're not good i guess but they exist and that's a reality so the only way to really like assure that everyone stays in line now is if one person's got them we all gotta get them and i'll just tell you right now like a big reason why people are a lot more polite out here is because everybody carries a gun yeah that's kind of the point i was trying to get across when i said i treat everyone like they're armed around here because most people are you know? Yeah. And like, and when, and people are like, like that, there is that, that saying, I know it's a cliche, but it's true. Like a well-armed society is a polite society. It's when people think that they're the only ones with a gun and everyone else is like free game when they start to get, you know, cocky and arrogant and might start flashing it around, or they might go and try to, you know, harm you. But if they don't know, even just a level of uncertainty can be enough of a deterrence, but then if they go try to find out, like, you know, I mean, it's the difference between life and death. So, so the, the training aspect, I would just heavily emphasize that because there is a big difference between being a gun fighter and being somebody who knows how to pull a trigger. And you yeah. also obviously want to know things like weapons, maintenance, weapons, safety, like, you, you know, you want to feel safe. You don't want to feel less safe because then if you have to use it, you might be shaky, you might miss. But um, I, I would say that, and then then just the point that I brought up about even the concept of mutually assured destruction, it's like, yes, we do have a lot of weapons in circulation on this planet and in this country. Uh, other countries that don't allow even things like knives, like they have crazy amounts of violence in those countries. Like, so violence is like a human problem that like we need to address. It's a symptom of a problem. But guns are already here and they're not going anywhere. So I would rather have one than because there's nobody that I trust to be able to regulate who is responsible enough to have one and who isn't. And like, to be honest, I don't even think that's possible, especially in a country of over 300 million people. Like you, you can't, I mean, who gets to be the decider for, for, for a decision like that? I mean, definitely not this government. mm -hmm, No. Yeah. That, so why did the other girl who was in the class with you, why, why was she there? Uh, because she wanted to know that she could protect her uh, two children. She has two small uh, daughters. Had she ever used a gun prior to that? Never. Mm-mm. Yeah. See, that would just be, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even occur to me. 
because oh Deborah, maybe it's because of where you've lived for the past, you know, My 30, life. 38 years. You know, you have no threat of that happening, but not everybody is as fortunate you not as you. Not everybody gets to live in nice, perfect, totally safe areas, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I'm a big fan of this guy, uh, Maj Ture, who's like this hotep, um, you know, gun rights guy. And his his saying is always that all all gun control is racist, you know, because why why should you take why should we not allow people who live? I mean, I'm sure like you're fighting back the urge to say, well, if somebody broke into my house, I'd just call the police because that's a terrible argument to have because the police come like and write reports. They don't stop crime, you know. And um, I could I could personally test that. I've had somebody do that and they took two hours to show up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to live in, in East Oakland for a long time, like 15 years. Oh yeah. Then, you know, I got guns. I got robbed a lot of times and uh, I had guns stolen out of my house and like, I would call the police to like make a report and they would show up seriously, like eight days later, my my (laughs) friend got home invaded and they came eight days later to to take a report. So, and it's like, it's this boring cliche of like, well, but it's, the total truth it's it's um you know i forget what it is but it's something about like when seconds matter cops are like you know at at best minutes away so um but one thing i like how you talked about being well trained and not just going out and getting a gun and going to the shooting range a couple times like training is is essential and uh i've been have you ever heard of the the place in southern oregon called thunder ranch I have not. You should check it out. They have a, a good YouTube channel. And the guy that runs it, I think his, his name's Clint Smith, I think. He's like uh, Arlie Ermy. Like he's like the, the drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket. He was in Vietnam. He got shot in Vietnam and stuff like that. And uh, he just like yells motherfucker at you for like three days. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's pretty. But yeah, check him out on YouTube. He's a really funny guy, but like a really badass gunfighter. And then he has like a bunch of dudes from like the Klamath falls SWAT team teaching the class and uh I went there you know I I got a bunch of I built a bunch of AR-15s and assault rifles as Deborah would call them that she thinks should be taken away from me um and uh I thought that I I I belonged to the gun gun club and I used to go out there and shoot it and off the bench and I thought I was like super cool because I could you know get really good groups off of a bench and and then I go to this, this three day, like intensive, like their basic, um, you know, urban rifle course. And, uh, I left there like knowing like a couple different things. Like one was that I don't know how to operate a firearm very well Two, Um, you know, and the, the main takeaway was I never, ever want to be in a gunfight in my life. Like this is absolutely terrifying. So it like teaches you respect for everything like that and uh, the whole thing like when you first get a concealed carry license and you're like oh i thought about like because i used to live in california and always like be like man i wish i could do that and then like i moved to oregon i get it like within the first month that i'm living here and like the first day i'm like going to leave the house i'm like oh man this is the real deal like i don't want to kill anybody like but i got a gun on me you know like i need to do everything in my power every time that this is on me to not use it you know like that's that's the main thing that people don't think about when they they think people are just carrying guns around and shooting them off but like like i said like 
there's so many people out here like you know having a rifle is a, a way of life and what deborah thinks is an assault rifle is like actually like a rifle that's perfectly suited to shoot coyotes or varmint around a farm and um you know that's what i use it for and they're fun they're you know people won't admit this because they want to make like some big like second amendment argument they're fun to have they're fun to build they're cool they make loud noises it's fun to like shoot off 30 rounds super fast at something you know Mm -hmm. they're just badass and fun like and that's like all right i'm not a big guy that preaches like the second amendment because i think my right to like defend my my life and my family's life is isn't from like a piece of paper written in the 1700s it's something that that what I view as my God, like gave me, you know, when I, when I got here, you know, so, um, yeah, I guess, uh, Deborah, what are any other thoughts? Well, lots of thoughts. I just, um, but it's just all like, I, 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 I'm just coming from such a, I don't, I, I don't want to say naive, but I, I don't know anything about guns obviously I don't um and I I just I I can't understand how that would be fun you know make big noises and and shoot off 30 rounds I I don't that it just doesn't seem like that would be fun I mean for me okay well and it, that that aspect I mean it, it might not be or it might be I mean it, it's something if you wanted to explore it you could uh, but you're having the conversation, which is more than a lot of people will do. So that's that's great. But um, I'll just throw out one thing because everybody does have different motives for, you know, why they're drawn to firearms or why they own them. And and it is different. But, you know, a lot of it is looking at the way the world is. And even people who do live in gated communities or safe areas like those are areas that are already being targeted. And like I worry about. Like, you know, some of my family, they're armed to the teeth. I'm not worried about them. But I do have some family members where I'm like, hey, you need to get a gun and you need to get trained. But they, you know, they don't, they're not, you know, they're not listening. There's nothing I can really do about it. But um, for me, the biggest thing, like when I bought my first pistol, I remember that day so clearly. And it had nothing to do with like, you know, oh, it's fun. I actually cried for 30 minutes. And the reason why I cried was tears of like relief. And I had no clue this was going to happen. But I cried tears of relief because this realization came over me. And I'm sorry if this is a bit dark, but uh, like, I'll just say it, like the thought in my head was I don't ever have to get raped again. And so for a lot of us, that's what it means. It's, it's like, oh my God, like, cause, cause I can't tell you that I can fight off a, a grown man three times my size. I can't. And if I, and getting into a knife fight with him, it's like, if you get in a knife fight with anybody, you're, you're going to get cut. I don't care if you win or yeah. lose, you know what I mean? But like, but with that, I was like, oh my God, like I can feel safe at night. Like, like living alone. I like, and, and like, if I, you know, like with this, because of this, I don't ever have to get raped. I don't ever have to be inches within my life at the hands of somebody else. And that's because I've experienced those things. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I mean, well, well, the the bonus is that I'm still here. So like, so that's, that's, that's dope, but like, (laughs) it's great to have lived through it. It it, it does. It sucks when it happens and and it happens a lot more than 
I think people realize because there's so much stigma around talking about it and it makes people very uncomfortable. So a lot of times people aren't aware of how prevalent those types of assaults are for both women and men. It's totally not just women, but even for the people who haven't experienced it, it's like, I, my, my hope for them, like I'm, you know, is, is that like, we'll, you know, maybe learn from like, not learn, but take our advice of like, you know, that it can happen. Like, don't wait for it to happen to be like, okay, now I need one. Like it's best to just prevent it entirely. Um, so, so that's, that's a big, that that's ultimately why like shooting an AR 15, I will admit like, cause I have shot an AR 15. It, it It is fun. I don't know why it's fun, but it is. And I like, I do like it, but that's not why I, I own firearms. I own firearms because I want to know that if somebody comes from my life or comes to cause other forms of harm, like what I just mentioned, I can prevent it because, you know, life is, life is, is pretty crazy right now on this planet. And it's, it's not really showing signs of, uh, slowing down. So I just think it's better to, it's better to be prepared and never have to use it than be in the situation even once and be like, Oh my God, I wish I had that just because, because I've been there before and I did survive it. Not everybody does, but I did survive it, but it is not something that's ever going to leave you. Like it, it sucks bad. So, I yeah. so it's more of like an empowerment thing. That's kind of what I wanted to do with this whole show is like to talk about women using guns for self-defense and like Deborah, that's, that's kind of like where I was trying to go with it. Um, like it's like, like testimony said, it's a, it's an equalizer for a mm -hmm. smaller, weaker woman, like, or, or even or man too, you know, like, and I don't understand where we both don't understand each other, but can you kind of explain to me why, you think that that's a bad thing? It's 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 purely emotional, um, so it's not really logical. I you know I have a you know the fear issue, the fear of carrying a firearm. But let's let's not talk about like you personally. You're never going to do it. We understand that. But what? But when we're talking about other people and like you restricting their rights to do it, I'm not. I I, I would never restrict anybody else's rights. Um, I don't have to agree with it, but I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot that goes on in the world that you know I don't necessarily agree with. But it's not up to me to say it's wrong for you. So I don't know. Is that? Yeah, I guess so. But you already you did already say on the show that you would restrict certain things, though. Well, like the the I I'm going to use the wrong term, you know, at, at the assault rifles, the stuff that you know you don't um, that you don't need for protection. It's more to to cause damage to somebody else. Well, it's what, not. I mean, that's yeah, that's what they're built to do. But why can't you use that for protection? Um, I, I, it just seems impractical to me. So the practicality is, I know it's not no, the practicality. It's not, it's not that. It's, um, I, I don't see why it is necessary 
to arm yourself with something that is not intended to protect you. It's intended to cause damage. Is that, just... is that, is there not a distinction between the types of guns that, you know, are but, available out there? But what does it matter if they're doing the same thing? Like, I, I just, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me that if somebody was going to enter my house, that I would need to pick up something that is going to blow my, my walls away as well as a person. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's frustrating because you don't have any sort of like technical knowledge or yeah. basis or anything like that. But the frustrating thing is that you have this, this opinion with no prior investigation, you know, you don't oh. know anything about it, but you still have this opinion that, you know, so like you come to my house and there's, you know, anytime you're sitting in my living room, there's four Mm -hmm. AR-15s without serial numbers like around you within 10 feet of you at one time like you're fine you're comfortable then right well I know you're not going to use it on me I know you're not going to use it indiscriminately then why do you yeah exactly but is okay you know the stuff that goes (laughs) You're you're like a meme. Well, then educate me. Tell me, tell me that isn't something that are you ha- talking about like a machine gun? Like yeah. a dead machine gun. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what an assault rifle is? No, assault rifle, you just pull 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 the trigger once and a bullet comes out. But okay, you- I'm I'm talking about the stuff that you know. But people see you, who, so you think that people can get machine guns, which is like wrong. It's just plain wrong. Like you can't get a machine gun. You should well, be able to, but you can't. Well, where where do they come from when the people who they are don't. doing these they heinous don't. They're not things. doing it with they're not doing it with machine guns. They come from the the CIA and the and their FBI handlers the FBI. that give them, <laughs> they give them the guns and all the money and everything to buy them. That's gives it. That's where they come from. Mm-hmm. Testimony. I don't want to keep you here while we, Deborah and I, do this uh, circular argument because we're not going to get anywhere. But it is. This might be no fault here on the most frustrated I've ever been on this, on this podcast. So um, I'm really, really thankful that you uh, came. Unless you want to keep going with Deborah and telling her stuff, but it's uh, it's tough. I'm, I'm. You know, I apologize if I'm being hard-headed or. But this is what I know. So, but you don't know anything. That's yes, that's absolutely true. I don't. So, if you don't know anything, then you should have no opinion. No, I can have an any. You I shouldn't have. have an, you shouldn't have an opinion if you don't have any idea what you're talking about. Maybe, maybe so. I don't know. I I don't. I can't say that I agree with that. But. I, I have, I think, a because um, you're you're just like saying stuff that's not true and not real and like. Well, that 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 you have a point. Yes, I don't because I, I don't know. 
and I, I didn't study it because it's not, what am I going to do? Go Google different types of weapons that I why, should Why own. don't you, what, when you say like, if you don't know anything about something, maybe don't have an opinion about it and like try to say like, oh, I don't know about this, but I'm still for taking them away from, from me, taking away my rights. Like, do you see where that's an issue? I'm not saying I should, that anybody's rights should be taken away. Yes, you are. You're saying that people shouldn't be allowed to have what you call assault rifles. Well, all right. And you can't even, and you don't even know what they are. Because of my ignorance, I don't know what they are. So, you know, I'm using the wrong terminology because I don't know the technical names of things. I'm strictly talking about, you know, my fear of, maybe this is just, Maybe you're right. Maybe we should continue this. Okay. Testimony, you want to plug uh, everything? Was, oh, sorry. I, keep, I, I should call you Tess. Do you want to plug um, all your stuff? Sure. Um, if anybody would like to connect with me, uh, I know we all use different platforms and the mainstream ones suck shit. However, uh, if you are on Facebook, you can find me at Testamona, T-E-S-S-T-A-M-O-N-A. Instagram, Testamona for my music and main account. Uh, the, I guess you could call it a red pill account. My backup account, that one is at The Great Silencing. Uh, if you want to hear my music, it is available on all platforms at Testamona. My podcast is uh, streaming on all platforms under The Great Silencing with Testimona. Uh, you can go to testimona.com. And you can also join my Telegram chat. It is called The Great Silencing Uncensored. So I believe that's everything. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I can do this on here. I probably can. I have super cool um, non-permissive non environment tools if people are interested in those for sale, so go to my website, go to my store if you're interested in like hidden comb dagger blades or anything like that. Those are oh, back cool. in stock. Yeah, they're super dope and they go fast, but I'm I'm obsessed with them. They're really, really nice blades. Uh, so yeah, uh, that that is everything. But yeah, testimona.com or testimona on all platforms, um, all the alt platforms and then all the mainstream ones like TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. So Rad. Um do you have any uh, any final thoughts, any uh, parting words to Deborah and our listeners? I'm sorry that this wasn't uh, as seamless as I wanted it to be, but I'm really no, grateful I... that you came in and talked and, and told us about your experience with all this stuff. No, I'm grateful for the conversation. I mean, I think this, like, honestly, this went a lot better than it does with in a lot of other situations where people don't already see eye to eye because it's a sensitive, it, it's a hot topic in the country. Um, yeah. so I guess the only thing I'd say is, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make anyone feel a certain type of way, but if somebody is interested in maybe like learning, uh, you know, the other side of this and also hearing it from, you know, not the people that the media paints as like, oh, these, these gun nuts are crazy or whatever. Cause you know, they do that and they do that for a reason. And I think it's worth looking into why they want a disarmed society as well. Like, 
but check out tactical response. They are on YouTube, check out and he, he did just pass away recently. So God rest his soul and rest in peace to James Yeager, but check out James Yeager. He is a former law enforcement officer, um, served overseas as well. Uh, founder of tactical response, um, unbelievably gifted, uh, when it comes to education with firearms and mindset and different scenarios for all different types of people. It is not just catered toward people who already know what they're doing. It's, I mean, it really, anybody can get, can get something out of that. It's like, it's not what you would think. So I would just, I would, I would just recommend tactical response. And if you're looking for training, go to tacticalresponse.com because they train worldwide. Odds are they're having a class near to where you're at and it's, it is so worth it. Right. We'll definitely uh, check it out. I'll send you some links from uh, from Thunder Ranch because the guy's uh, funny and really, really insightful too. I would so, love that. Um, yeah, Deborah, final thoughts. I, you know, in all respect, I, I don't know what to say, but Tess, I, I do value your your insight and um, and I thank you for putting up with this mess. Oh, it's fine. I mean, thank you for being part of the conversation. Like I know we live in, I know we live in really weird times right now. So <laughs> I know that it's, I mean, it's, it can be hard. It can be hard to, to see the other side of, of a, of a topic that is, you know, carries the charge that it does in, in today's climate. So, uh, so ho- hopefully you got something out of the conversation, you know, to like whatever it was, but I appreciate getting to meet you guys, even if it's virtually and I appreciate the conversation. So thank you. Yeah. We'll have you back on uh, whenever you want. We can talk about some real weird, actual conspiracy stuff that if you want or freedom stuff, whatever. We're yes, uh, well versed in all that. of it. So yeah. And um, we'll keep an eye on your show. And um, thanks everybody for, for putting up with this one. I know I could have done a better job. I get uh, emotionally um, charged by this uh, topic as well. So um, yeah, final words for me, stay strapped or get clapped. Um, thanks guys for having <laughs> us. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye you guys.